Joining us now live from our New York studios is John Simon, film critic for the National Review and drama critic for New York Magazine. From our Chicago bureau, Gene Siskel, film critic for the Chicago Tribune and co-host of the syndicated television series At the Movies. And Roger Ebert, co-host of At the Movies and film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times. Mr. Simon, you described The Empire Strikes Back, the second in this trilogy, as malodorous awful, and I understand you're also well able to keep your enthusiasm in check for the third in the trilogy. Why so unkind? Well, I think um, the uh, raves for the early Star Wars have been so violent and so uh, extravagant that I feel one cannot afford to mince one's words if one dislikes these things. You one certainly did not do that. Uh, but, but why do you feel they are so bad? I feel they're so bad because they're completely dehumanizing. I said, obviously, let's finish. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we're finally talking about the topic everyone has been waiting for, the May 1983 Siskel and Ebert vs. John Simon Return of the Jedi Review. That's the sound of everybody waiting patiently for this episode. It's kind of like tone poems last week. This is one that we've been, for years, waiting to do. It's been on the list for years. Yeah, and there's just something something about 2023 that we're we're getting to digging deep in the list, wiping the cobwebs off. You know, the next episode we're entering like a long stretch of of Mando episodes, and it's like it's like before we leave for school, we got to do all the things we've been planning to do for a long time. Yeah, we got to live it up for the rest of summer vacation here before we get get into Mando season. Well, and it, you know, it's 2023. It's the 40-year anniversary of the mighty Return of the Jedi. It's not officially Return of the Jedi year here at Blast Points because, like we said, we're going to be entering like a month and a half of nonstop Mando coverage, and there's still like Ahsoka coming, and there's Skeleton Crews coming, where we're going to be breaking the law every single week, the Jude Law. So it's not it's not Return of the Jedi year, but it is Return of the Jedi because every year, here at Blast Points is Return of the Jedi Year. If anything, we're celebrating 
20 years of return. No, 40 years of Return of the Jedi year. For the past 40 years, yeah, for us, every year has been Return of the Jedi year. It's always ROTJ in the USA. It's always ROTJ everywhere in the world. Every year. ROTJ every day. ROTJ is here to stay. ROTJ, this is the way, starting next week. So what is the Siskel and Ebert, John Simon, Return of the Jedi review? It's not really a review. It's kind of... It's kind of an excuse for people to to argue, which, you know, I guess is sometimes that's what a review is. But it was on ABC on on Dateline with, uh, was that Ted Koppel, right? Yeah. And they brought on Siskel and Ebert, who were film critics for the two Chicago papers and nationally known from their TV show at the movies and unashamed Star Wars lovers. And... Film critic John Simon, who we'll talk about in a bit, and basically asking them questions about Star Wars and specifically the new latest, greatest Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi. Because this was aired on ABC. It was just like a week after Return of the Jedi came out because it was at the tail end of this whole kind of thing they did at the end of Dateline that was all about Return of the Jedi and how it was out in theaters and it was breaking box office records and the phenomenon of Star Wars and George Lucas and all this stuff. Yeah, and at the end, they kind of they had Siskel and Ebert and John Simon just kind of hashing it out. And what's wild is this video just seems to always pop up on the internet and social media and like movie websites every few years or so. Like when something new Star Wars is coming out, you'll suddenly see this pop up of like, this critic hated The Empire Strikes Back. And hey, have you ever seen the video where Siskel and Ebert defend Star Wars? And it it just keeps coming around around again. Which is great because as we're going to be getting into, on the surface, this is just three critics just hashing it out with each other. But there's a lot more going on in the context of just Star Wars fandom and fandom in general with this video. So how did we first see it? I think I I have it on one of my weird Star Wars compilation tapes, which I've talked about a lot on the show before, where... In the late 90s, I was going to like Motor City Comic Con every year, and I would always buy Star Wars compilation tape, VHS tapes that were just random collections of... My favorite ones are just things taped off television in like the 1980s. And I swear I have this on one of those. I think you do, because I think that's how I saw it. Because I don't think I ever saw this on television when it, when it came out. I know I had seen it before it showed up on YouTube, so I probably saw it on one of your tapes. It's funny to think about how, you know, before YouTube, that was YouTube, is you had a VHS tape with all these little clips and things that you would just go on YouTube to watch now, and you would have to go to a convention or, you know, trade a tape through the mail with someone to get their VHS tape with all the stuff that they had taped off TV. 
And yeah, this was one of those things that was on all of those tapes. Like if you got a tape at a convention of Star Wars stuff from TV, most likely this Dateline clip was on there. And then when it started showing up on YouTube and people sharing it all the time, it was just like, oh yeah, of course, because that it's solid gold. It's classic. And it's totally like still to this day, like the two sides of how people view Star Wars, not just the original trilogy, not just Return of the Jedi, like the arguments that are made on both sides in this are still very much part of Star Wars. But let's back up. We talked about everybody knows Siskel and Ebert, greatly beloved at the movies. At the movies, like almost every single episode ever is on YouTube, too, which is just so fun to watch. Like if you ever think of any movie, just Google or just search on YouTube Siskel and Ebert and the name of the movie and chances are it'll come up it's they're endlessly entertaining to watch but let's talk about John Simon what can we say about John Simon aside from the fact that he's a total jerk (laughs) yeah he is a complete and total jerk is a is a polite term there there are other terms that have been used and, and I guess we'll keep our family friendly show for today and and not say the other words. But yeah, he's kind of a horrible person who was famous for kind of being a horrible person. As a critic, he was just constantly negative. He would pick on actors. He would pick on movies. He would say racist and homophobic things. And he just made a career out of being the guy who didn't like anything except for random things that people were like, why does he like that? And in a lot of ways, he was kind of the internet before there was the internet, as far as that type of person who gets attention and kind of makes a living off of just being a pain in the butt. He, Yeah, he would say things about like actors' appearances. He would go on and on about how like he thought people were ugly. And there's a story how someone saw him at a New York restaurant and they put a plate of spaghetti on his head. Roger Ebert in one of his books said something to the effect of John Simon. He can't help himself that he's a jerk, and he also can't help himself that he looks like a rat. (laughs) (laughs) He passed away in 2019. But one of the things that it's really talked about with him, if you just Google search John Simon film critic, aside from all the horrible things, (laughs) I'm sure he was a, a real jerk and aside from his critic life, too. But one of the things that comes up is the fact that he really hated Star Wars, hated Star Wars so much. His review of the original 1977 film is out there, too. And boy, he did not like it at all. Yeah, he says, I sincerely hope that science and scientists differ from science fiction and its practitioners. Heaven help us if they don't. We may be headed for a very boring world indeed. Strip Star Wars of its often striking images and its highfalutin scientific jargon, and you get a story, characters, and dialogue of overwhelming banality, without even a future cast to them. Human beings, anthropods, or robots, you could probably find them all more or less like that in downtown Los Angeles today. Certainly the mentality and values of the movie can be duplicated in third-rate non-science or any place or period. What are you even talking about? Like, what are you he's talking about? Like, science and science. There's no science in Star Wars. Like, what are you talking about? And also, like, that little jab of, like, human beings, anthropods, robots, you could find them all more or less like that in downtown Los Angeles today. Like, that's a really specific and weird jab. 
He just doesn't like to have fun. No, he doesn't. Obviously, if he didn't like Star 1977 Star Wars, then he doesn't like to have fun. I don't trust anyone that doesn't like 1977 Star Wars. There's something weird about those people. But I don't know how anyone can watch that movie and just be like, no, no, not for me. You know, like it's that's strange. John Simon, he needed help early on in 1977, and it got worse. I think the fact that he did not like 1977 Star Wars made him the racist and homophobic jerk that he was. He needed Star Wars to make him happy, and he couldn't couldn't do it. So on the other hand, you have Siskel and Ebert and their history with Star Wars, which when the, the original film came out, their review is it's not like overwhelmingly positive. But they did like it. And what's the meaning of it all? Who knows and who cares? Star Wars became the new box office champion by providing pure 100% escapist entertainment. It's one of those rare movies that seems to play to every sort of audience, Gene, and bring out the kid in all of us. You know, I've seen the picture three times, and that sequence more than that. And every time I see that little fighting sequence, I think I figured out the secret of at least that chunk of the movie. And that is, that looks exactly like what happens at a pinball game that kids love. We're seeing things blow up, and I think the way this movie is shot, different ways, quick action like that, it's like you're putting every person as a pinball player who walks into the theater. Maybe that's why people can see it a dozen times or two dozen times, because it doesn't matter that you know the story. You still have the sound and light, the effects, the explosions, the, uh, the dogfight in outer space. It's just a never-ending visual delight. I the think only, it's, you know, it's a movie that will last for years. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is it's so successful and so mindless fun that I hope Hollywood doesn't forget that there are people who like to see serious pictures, too. But they're kind of, you know, saying what's this? What's the meaning of it all? Who knows? Who cares? They're they're looking at it as just fun, crazy pinball sounds and images and bright lights and stuff. But it really is the Empire Strikes Back with them when things start to change, where Gene Siskel in particular loves the Empire Strikes Back. Your three-year wait is over, Star Wars fans. The Empire Strikes Back opens nationwide in two weeks. Here's the best news of all. The sequel is just as entertaining as the original Star Wars, the most popular movie of all time. So after suffering three years of Star Wars ripoffs and imitations, May 21st, we get the real McCoy, and it's something rare, a sequel that works. Now, their Return of the Jedi review, though, is just pure joy. And they did... Two whole things on Return of the Jedi. They did one whole special before Return of the Jedi came out called The Secret of Star Wars, which is just an incredible episode of Siskel and Ebert at the movies. It's basically a whole episode of them just praising the Star Wars trilogy at that time. Now, before we get too sophisticated with our answers as to why the Star Wars films have been so successful... Let's make some obvious statements. First of all, the films, all three of them, are a childlike good time at the movies. They have a strong appeal to the most avid filmgoers around now, young people, who began, you'll recall, competing with each other to see how many times they could first see that first Star Wars film. Now, as for why the whole series as a whole has been popular, I think quality control is the big answer. Mm -hmm. Once the first Star Wars film was a hit, the rest of the series was going to depend on how well the second Star Wars film was made. Would it be made with the same cast and crew? Because if everything worked well and the Empire Strikes Back, then Star Wars would become not just the name of a movie, but a brand name that would stand for a certain style and quality of entertainment. And the Empire Strikes Back was that good as this battle scene demonstrates. 
Yeah, it's kind of like as much as Return of the Jedi is like the greatest hits of the original three Star Wars movies. This is like the greatest hits of their three reviews of kind of going back and explaining what they love about the films and kind of trying to crack the code of like, why do these movies work? Why is Star Wars something special? And it was just a neat thing to have, too, because, you know, at the movies was was a pretty big deal. Like there weren't a lot of movie review television shows like that. And the fact that they dedicated a whole episode just to Star Wars kind of said something about just the appeal of Star Wars overall and just how much, you know, these two guys, as much as they like their, their serious movie movies, they could just as much have fun with something like Star Wars. And I love in that Secret of Star Wars episode how they, you know, talk about the things that are so common now that, oh, it's, you know, it's taking its roots in Westerns and in mythology. And this is May 1983 that they're talking about this, you know, to a national audience. And like you said, these are people that really know what they're talking about and were extremely well well respected. And yeah, they dedicated a whole episode to Star Wars and that, yeah, it's fun. And like they said, the original was like a pinball game. But by the time of Return of the Jedi, they're getting into the deep stuff. The Star Wars movies are famous for their futuristic technology and flashy-looking outer space hardware. But underneath the laser beams and the Death Star, the city in the clouds and the overdrive that launches ships into hyperspace, it's a basic story form that goes back to the Western and back more thousands of years, back to the dawn of humankind's existence as a storytelling animal. The Star Wars movies are basically Western set in outer space. Movies with spaceships instead of horses, laser beams instead of six shooters, with the same good guys and bad guys and the same basic idea of the quest. While he was preparing the first Star Wars saga, George Lucas read books on ancient mythology, books like Joseph Campbell's The Masks of God, about all of mankind's basic legends. And if you analyze the Star Wars movies, what you'll find is that these outer space epics use the same basic forms as westerns, or medieval morality plays, or Greek tragedies. Mm -hmm. Basic story elements like the hero in his quest, the young prince and the wise old wizard, the powerful father figure and the heroine in distress. It's all in the book, and it's all in the Star Wars movies. Okay, well, let's take a closer look at those basic ingredients one by one. Now, one of the most prized... But what's cool, even with back with the pinball game, is they kind of, they got it there with that, too, where they're talking about, it's like pinball, it's like you can watch the movie over and over again, and you can see something different every time, because it's filmed in a way where the, the experience of watching it is, is enjoyable on its own, regardless of the story. And, and if there are these deeper layers that they, they kind of get into later on, but at the pinball level, it's, it works. So they did, yeah, they really got all of it, all, all the, all the levels and layers and the best with at the end where Ebert talks about too, that it has the, what the goofy childlike sense of fun as well. Like it's not, it doesn't take itself too seriously, even though, as Ebert likes to point out, they're just really well executed, crafted movies. They're also goofy, childlike, fun movies. First of all, you got the mythological underpinnings of the story. Right-o. This is a universal story that everyone can identify with. Right. And we have the quality control, the great technology, the great special effects. There's something else here, and that's a goofy, almost childlike sense of fun. Mm -hmm. The kind of fun of that you got out of Saturday serials uh, 20, 30 years ago. All right, I'll and what it seems to me is that frequently in the movies, whenever they made a movie that had that sense of fun, they felt they didn't have to be serious about anything else. They could have right. lousy special effects. They could come up with any story at all. But to have absolutely top-flight credits 
yes. connected Every, with that fund is yeah. the, is the uh, we're key watching we're watching corporate Hollywood work here uh -huh. at the top of its form, mm -hmm. or at least Northern California. <laughs> I think that's where the, the inspiration is. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you about the sense of fun. When I watched Jedi, mm -hmm. I was like this. Just leaning forward mm -hmm. in my the, mm -hmm. the true moviegoer's mm -hmm. posture, right like that. So what we have here is a linking of almost a child's imagination with all the technology at the command of a movie maker. Yeah, right? absolutely. Mm -hmm. Next at the movies, your first look at Return of the Jedi. Yeah, when he said that, I wanted to like stand up and applaud because that is so perfect and just the choice of words, goofy, childlike sense of fun. That's George Lucas. That's yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the dweeby Indiana Jones. That's the goofy childlike sense of fun because that's we did a whole episode on that with looking back on book of boba that that's the star wars major food groups there's there's the serious deep stuff the heavy stuff but there's also boba fett fighting some four-armed weird monster in the desert with a little kid sand person and stuff you know just ridiculous things the goofy childlike sense of fun of yeah. a, a, a frog puppet that burps <laughs> that, that was the moment when Siskel was like, yeah, Star Wars is not just the name of a movie. It's a brand name that stands for quality. I just saw a frog puppet burp. So Gene Siskel passed away, sadly, in February 1999. But hey, Roger Ebert, he loved The Phantom Menace, too. But maybe there could be a little more human, or maybe we should say character interest in the film. This movie has a lot of setting up to do. It begins the whole saga. It lays the groundwork for relationships, which we sense are going to pay off in the next two movies. And so the story level isn't always as interesting as the visuals. Characters are dealing with things that are going to happen later in the series rather than dealing in the here and now sometimes. Still, this movie is a remarkable achievement, a marriage of imagination and special effects. And my thumb is up with a lot of admiration. His, his critique that it, it could have had more human things in it, yeah, it's fair. So, so could have THX 1138. It's totally fair. Totally fair. He didn't love Attack of the Clones as much, but he did really like Revenge of the Sith, which is interesting. Yeah, the Attack of the Clones review is fun just because, it. yeah, it's interesting that Ebert didn't like it. And it sounds like some of the reasons he didn't like it is that he may have just saw a bad like the theater he went to had a bad projection because he talks about it being dark and muddy and but it's that one's really fun because at the time uh his co-host is uh, richard roper and richard roper like loves Attack of the clothes and it's just arguing with him about it well i thought there was a visual texture to episode two that surpasses not only the phantom menace but the first three star wars films the blending of human actors, costume creations, elaborate sets, and those digital effects I thought was nearly seamless. This is a great-looking movie with distinct planet environments, sweeping astral landscapes, and even outer space rainstorms. Now, we disagree about the visuals, so let's okay. put that to one side. There is not one line in this movie that you could quote with any pleasure. It is the most banal script I've ever read. It's just all about exactly what the plot requires them to say in any given moment, and the love story yeah. is, is just... Is just dead in the water. I, I mean, don't think it's dead in the water at all. Any chemistry got... between them, and as for the things that they say, uh -huh. those are ancient, ancient, tired, tired, romantic cliches from a thousand, thousand other movies. Well, this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So oh, maybe okay. they invented these oh, cliches, gee, and then Shakespeare got them from there. Oh, but wow. uh, first of all, Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen are great-looking actors, and I think they have a wonderful chemistry together. They're I like their like love sticks. scenes they together. Just, they just, I don't think they are at they all. They just I think... kind of stare at each other while I love you, you know. But I must. 
mustn't love you. Well, you know, I think the rest of the dialogue. Richard Roper, it's time for you to come on Blast Points. We're, <laughs> we're ready for you. Yeah. You can just go. You can just talk about Attack of the Clones the whole time. We'll, we'll, we'll roll back time and it'll be Attack of the Clones here again, just so you can talk about it. Then, uh, yeah, on the flip side, then, then you have John Simon's sad history with Star Wars, aside from the original film. Yeah, he's said all kinds of wonderful things over the year. Things like uh, Star Wars will do very nicely for those lucky enough to be children or unlucky enough never to have grown up. Interesting. The Empire Strike Back is malodorous, awful. Everything is stale, limp, desperately stretched out, and pretentious. I've never heard Empire called pretentious before. That's interesting. Mark Hamill is still the talentless Tom Sawyer of outer space. <laughs> Ouch. So, yeah, it doesn't sound like he likes Star Wars. I feel like we've all encountered John Simons in our lives, in our fandoms. And kind of like what we're going to be getting into as we go through the, the classic showdown between Siskel and Ebert and John Simon is how do you handle that? I feel like Siskel and Ebert handle it like bosses, though, as we're going to get into. Well, it, it's a fun thing, too, going back to this, too, because it is Star Wars fandom is the same now as it ever was and will always will be. There is no golden age when everyone loved the movies and all the movies are terrible and all the movies are great. And it just depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, even though this is from... 40 years ago, it doesn't sound that different than they could very well be talking about Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker or Book of Boba Fett or anything. And things really haven't changed that much. It's like someone once said, it's like poetry, it rhymes. I don't, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I think one question that people may be having now is, okay, so these movies have all these classic mythological elements. Does that mean just because these movies have them, is it going to be a successful film? And the answer is no, of course not. But if a story is written well, if it is told well, if the actors properly communicate the emotions, and if the technical craft people dazzle us, then those same classic mythological elements will allow the movie to speak to us and speak, and most importantly, to a mass audience across the world in a deeply personal way. And that's part of the secret of Star Wars. Part of the secret of Star Wars. Now I show on the return of the Jedi at Highland Mall was at 11 this morning, but the line you see winding around three sides of the theater started forming at 10 for the 140 show. That's how the movie is being received here in Austin on this premiere day. The Return of the Jedi is the third flick of a nine-part series. Its predecessors have broken attendance records and have been highly lucrative for creator George Lucas. The first Star Wars grossed over $300 million, second only to E.T., but the real critics of any film are the moviegoers who pay the cash to get in. It was great. People were just cheering and screaming and yelling and clapping. I answered a lot of questions, but not all of them. There's enough to keep you wanting more. I'm a new woman. <laughs> it's the truth. Good prevails. We will all conquer. It's very good. No, it, it was definitely the greatest science fiction movie ever made. I mean, I was right in there. I mean, Lucas, total genius all the way. The sound, the visual, I, it was a total experience. Uh, it's sort of like Star Wars. You want to go see it over and over again. Are you going to be back for more? Mm, for sure, as soon as I get back from London. 
Okay, so here we go. What we're going to do is we're going to play the, the May 1983 Dateline clip bit by bit. We're going to be like referees almost, commentators on this no-holds-barred grudge match between king of the jerk faces John Simon and our reigning champions Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. And I love, before it even starts, Ted Koppel is like doing his introductions. and. I love that jerkface John Simon like can't get settled. Like if you go, we'll have the video, we'll have all the videos for all the stuff we're talking about linked in the, this episode's show notes, but watch like this opening part. Cause John Simon is like shuffling and buffling in his seat. Like just can't get it together. And then when they cut to Siskel and Ebert, they're like coming in knowing like they're coming into a fight that they're going to win. <laughs> so after that, Ted Koppel kind of talks to John Simon and recaps his review for The Empire Strikes Back and asks him to explain just why he hates Star Wars so much. So let's, let's listen to that. Well, I think um, the uh, raves for the early Star Wars have been so violent and so uh, extravagant that I feel one cannot afford to mince one's words if one dislikes these things. You one certainly has... did not do that. Uh, but, but why do you feel they are so bad? I feel they're so bad because they're completely dehumanizing. I th- obviously, let's face it, they are for children or for childish adults. They're not for adult mentalities, uh, which unfortunately um, <clears throat> means that they're not for a lot of my fellow critics who also lack adult mentalities. But anyway... Um, They are for children, and they're brutalizing children, they're stultifying children, they're making children uh, dumber than they need to be. Uh, A great work for children, like Huck Finn, for example, tells a child something about reality, about people, about life, about growing up. These films try to keep children stupid children forever, and that, I think, is wrong. That, that's some wild stuff there. Uh, they're dehumanizing, and they're they're keeping children stupid forever. Right. Well, they're not movies for adults. They're movies for children, and they're bad movies for children because they keep children children, and they don't teach children anything. Or they're movies for children or for childish adults. <laughs> well, there's some truth to that. <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Well, and early on, too, you know, him him basically saying people love these movies so much. If you're going to not like them, you have to be loud about it. Which some of that still happens to this day. I think if you're, yeah, yeah. It's 100% someone on the internet now who would post, here's why I don't like Star Wars. Basically, I think there's... It's stupid, but I'm going to give this extremely long-winded answer on why I think the Star Wars movies are stupid. Well, and going back, we, we didn't talk about it, but one of the great things with uh, their Return of the Jedi, with Siskel and Ebert's Return of the Jedi review even, is talking about the speeder bike chase. And they're like, well, why, if they can, the speeder bikes can float, why don't they just fly over the trees? And they're like, but you know what? It doesn't matter because you don't watch this kind of movie for the logic of it. You watch it for the experience and the fun and the excitement and it's like those aren't the questions it doesn't matter that's not what this movie's about it doesn't matter why they're not doing this logical thing let's continue to be childish adults and let's keep watching what uh else people have to say here 
Gene Siskel, Roger Ebert, if you would like to remove the dagger from between your ribs and strike back, have at it. I totally disagree with Mr. Simon. I don't know uh, what he did as a child, but I spent a lot of my Saturday matinees watching science fiction movies and serials and having a great time of being stimulated and having my imagination stimulated and having uh, all sorts of visions take place in my mind that helped me to become an adult and to still stay young at heart. And I would say not that I'm childlike, but that he is old at heart. Yeah, what I, uh, I think that Mr. Simon ought to do what I did over the weekend. I went to a regular movie theater in a shopping center in Michigan City, Indiana, and I sat amid all the kids. You, there was one tall head and a lot of small heads. Were they dumber than they needed to be? No, they weren't dumber, to quote that interesting phrase. <laughs> uh, they uh, were ecstatic. They were enjoying it, and they were rooting. They were asking each other who's who. They were getting all involved. They were rooting for the right guys and booing the bad guys. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I feel badly, honestly, I feel badly that this uh, other critic, John Simon, didn't have a good time at these pictures. That's too bad for him. All right, what? All right, let's 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 stop it right there. I love Ebert talking about having his imagination stimulated and staying childlike at heart. Anybody that's working on Star Wars now that either came in during the prequel era or came in just recently, they talk about how they saw these movies when they were young and it, they were having their imagination exploded by these movies and now they're working on star wars or people that have gone on to be directed like james cameron talking about how he saw how he saw star wars when he was a truck driver and had to quit being a truck driver because he was just like damn it i need to make movies ridley scott like all these people that saw star wars and were just having their mind blown and, you know, you think of every experience we've ever had at like a celebration where it's just this joyful community experience and very much staying young at heart. I love them saying that John Simon is old at heart. <laughs> if you're if you're old at heart, Star Wars is for you. I love Gene Siskel going to see Return of the Jedi in a theater full of kids in Michigan City, Indiana. That's the best. He's like, I'm just going to drive. Go watch, go watch Return of the Jedi in a different theater. I mean, he even says in doesn't he say he saw it three times in the in their review already? Like you know, yeah. he's he's got to get his fix. <laughs> it's like they know me in Chicago. I got to go out to Indiana. Just imagine being in the theater full of kids watching yeah. Return of the Jedi opening week, May nineteen eighty three. Pandemonium. That's the, that's the real the real stuff. I also like too that that uh, Siskel makes it seem like he doesn't know who John Simon is and just calls him the other critic, <laughs> like not even not even acknowledging his name. Then he then he kind of says his name afterwards, but it's like you know he knows who he is, but he's not let he's not letting on. Probably doesn't want to say his name. It's black tongue, yeah. the, the evil words, the, the evil, the dark speech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like after you say his name, you got to spit, you got to get it out of your mouth. Okay, let's keep going. All right, while it would probably be more fun to have you sling mud at one another, all three of you, let's talk about the let's talk about the movie nevertheless. Mm -hmm. Is it a great film? I mean, it's it's clearly great technology and it does uh, wonderful things with special effects, but in terms of the normal standards by which we judge movies, is this a great film? John Simon, clearly you say no. But why? Well, first of all, you know, special effects are like the tail of the dog, which should not wag the whole animal. Um, when you have a film that's 90% special, and that's a kindly estimate, 90% uh, special effects, 
you might just as well be watching an um, animated cartoon. Because finally, all, that, all those special effects begin to look totally unreal. Uh, there is, there is, you're looking for something that looks like flesh and blood there. You have three lousy actors in the main roles who don't contribute much flesh and blood. You have ghastly dialogue, terrible plotting, miserable characterization, which also do not contribute flesh and blood. So what you're left with is something that Walt Disney could have done just as well with, with a drawing board and pencils and colors. Okay, let's stop it right there, because that's a lot to unpack. Again, it's it's funny how much times don't change and those arguments are still given to this day of whichever Star Wars thing has come out recently of why it's not good. And also just the mindset of saying something could be animated or is animated or is a cartoon as a is a negative thing as opposed to just being a stylistic or artistic choice of doing something that could be animated. And it also, all this stuff kind of talking about where Star Wars was uh, makes me think about Avatar as well, where the Avatar movies are like 90% animated. (laughs) No, that's exactly, I was thinking when he was talking about that, I was just like, boy, he would have loved Avatar. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I guess there's just some people who just can't, get into that but you know those aren't your your criticisms aren't really criticisms they're just observations and that they aren't necessarily a bad thing a lot of what he's saying too was stuff that was thrown around during the prequels people that just couldn't get past the amount of effects in the prequels or people saying that the phantom menace was all or any of the prequels, honestly, where it was all too much digital effects, you know, and it's not like the old movies where, you know, Phantom Menace had more miniatures than all of the original trilogy films combined, which we did a whole episode on that fact in when we did Phantom Menace here. It's just, like you said, he's, John Simon is like the OG internet troll. Like like you were saying, because everything, it's it's like every annoying person on the internet that likes to sound really smart when they're criticizing star Wars movies. It's like, this is like Nemec's manifesto. (laughs) It's like John Simon. And remember this, the the dialogue is ghastly and the plotting is horrible and all this stuff. You know, it's, it's like hating star Wars one Oh one. It's the arguments we always hear. Well, and there are arguments that have migrated to every other type of movie as well and in the, the whole thing of where you know no one wants to talk about visual effects and anything being cg because somehow movies were better before there was cg and we're still where dateline was in 83 and here we are 40 years later and it's you know we're we're still here <laughs> we're still watching the argument play out and just unfortunately siskel and ebert aren't still around all right roger ebert uh, beyond the undeniable fact that it's that it's clearly perceived as entertainment by a great many people how would you argue that it's a great movie? These are the sorts of movies that Disney people should be making and the kinds of movies that Disney made uh, 20, 30 years ago. I think all movies are special effects. Movies are not real. They're two-dimensional. A film goes through the camera, the projector throws the light on the screen, and that makes a special effect. It's a dream. It's an imagination. As to whether this film is good or not, it excited me. It made me laugh. It made me 
it made me thrilled. And uh, that's what that's what a movie like this is for. I also enjoy films by Ingmar Bergman and people like that. I share that taste with Mr. Simon. But I try, I think, in my own movie-going taste to be broad enough to also understand why a bunch of people might want to get together and see a Star Wars movie and enjoy it. Uh, bless you, Roger Ebert. Every single word he just said is gold. And that beginning where he says this is the kind of movies Disney should be making, this is the kind of movies Disney used to make, where he's predicting the future. That's why Star Wars just, Galaxy's Edge just feels right. Because what Walt Disney did all those years ago and what George Lucas did 40 plus years ago, it's like it's no different. They're both people with like outrageous imaginations that might be insane. Yeah, and there's no difference between if it's live action, if it's animated, it if it's a it doesn't matter. It's telling stories that are fun and that are for kids and that are for everyone and that, you know, they're movies with goofy childlike senses of fun. Star Wars movies excite us. They make us feel alive. And that's what Ebert is talking about. And you know, is Return of the Jedi like an Igmar Bergman movie? No, it's not. I share that taste with Mr. Simon also. Sometimes I like watching a classy flick. They, they excite you. Sometimes you take your shirt off. Sometimes you take your shoes off. <laughs> Crazy things happen. Gene Siskel, is it, is it not possible to separate these two and to say, yes, there's such a thing as great entertainment, but it's not a great movie. Let's not pretend it is. Well, you can say what its aspirations are. I don't think that a film should be rewarded for uh, aiming low and hitting that mark, which sometimes in film criticism you do get that. The sort of junk movie is can't be fun. I don't think this is can't be fun. I think this is well-made fun. Uh, this is very good of its kind, and I want to cite another film that's out now that shows you what this kind of film can be like if it's junk, and that's Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, shot in 3D. That movie is 3D and is supposed to be kind of special. Uh, the Jedi film is in 2D, and it's a lot more exciting. Uh, just seeing those pictures back-to-back, -back, as I did over the last week, one clearly is better of its kind. I think Jedi is very good of its kind. What do kids have these days for entertainment? They have the Black Stallion picture, which I know uh, we both liked. I don't know if Mr. Simon did. And you have the Star Wars films, and that's about it. Not much more. This is very good of its kind. Mr. Simon, have you... All right, let's, all right, let's stop right there. I really like Space Hunter <laughs> Beyond the Forbidden Zone. I'm a big fan. I'm just thinking Siskel had a great week because he got to see Return of the Jedi and Space Hunter in the same week. He's absolutely right that the the fact that we're still you know talking about star wars today we're you know we're on episode 346 and we're not alone shows that they're not aiming low and hitting low they're not just can't be fun there there's always like that stigma kind of around everything star wars maybe it's lessening now with it branching out into shows like the mandalorian and andor and different ways of telling stories. But I feel like that was something, again, that was very much around, like, the prequels. Like, well, those aren't real movies. What's interesting is it's almost the reverse, where Star Wars has been that way since the beginning. And it's everybody else trying to be Star Wars to the point where we've now had all these years of Marvel movies and shared universe movies and and tv being more accepted as not like you know the lower tier storytelling but it's it's kind of like star wars has been doing that since the beginning and it's like now everything else is kind of caught up to to trying to be star wars so there is less of that 
stigma on Star Wars because everybody else wants what Star Wars has and have kind of given up saying, well, Star Wars isn't, you know, real art or whatever, because, you know, we're better than that to realizing, no, we actually, we want what Star Wars is. And, you know, they're focusing on trying to be it instead of just saying it's not good. And Star Wars is still around. It's, it lasts. And there's not a lot of other things that have lasted quite the way Star Wars has. And it's like they said that it's become the name Star Wars has become more than just the original film. It's a sign of quality. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not getting a Space Hunter series or a, or a sequels to Space Hunter or a, a Space Hunter animated show. Or Book of Space Hunter spinoff. It's a great movie. Michael Ironside is the bad guy in the end. And he, he's got like a half robot face. It's pretty good. Molly Ringwald is in it. It's not bad. Mr. Simon, have you ever sunk as low as Space Hunter? No, I'm happy to say I haven't. Um, I think there are wonderful things that you could take kids to. There's a little film called Tender Mercies, which is not a children's movie, but in which a child is the main one of the main characters. And that is the sort of thing that I would take my children if I had them, where they can see something about human beings, about life. In this thing, you see one set of robots, some of them ostensibly flesh and blood, but actually just as mechanical as the real robots, attacking another set of robots. It zaps you, it, it, it races past you, projectiles are hurtling this way and that. There's nothing to get involved with. Sure, there is a very primitive sense in which the Empire is bad and a very primitive sense in which the others are good. But it is all such a chaos, such a jumble, such a confusion, such a mechanical, technological, uh, whirly gig that you don't have any chance to associate yourself with anyone, to identify yourself with anyone. There are no people there with whom you can sympathize. That just isn't my experience. All right, let's, let's stop it before Gene Siskel comes in there. A couple of things I thought of in there. Number one, everything that John Simon says to describe Return of the Jedi sounds great to me. <laughs> I know. He's, he's really hyping up the movie. I want to see one set of robots attacking another set of robots and things flying across the screen and a mechanical whirly gig. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want to see in movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I signed up for. <laughs> Also, I saw Tender Mercies in the theater at the Harbor Theater in Muskegon, Michigan, because I'm old and weird, and I went to go see everything, and I was bored out of my mind in that movie. There was no lessons for young me to take out of that movie. It had a child in it. I didn't give a crap, because I was just, I didn't care about Bobby Duvall, and I was just like, I am bored. I am so, I hated that movie i'm sure it's a good movie but i never want to watch tender mercies again for the rest of my life i'm so glad that you actually went and saw tender mercies because i've never seen it and i've seen the trailer that's that's enough for me but the fact that you did actually see it as a child is is absolutely perfect yeah my parents took me because we went to go see everything and i remember hating it i was probably thinking while i was watching it why aren't i watching return of the jedi right now yeah, somewhere in town, Return of the Jedi is playing, and I'm sitting here watching Tender Mercies. Probably Raiders got re-released, or E.T. is still probably playing somewhere, or something Space Hunter with robots fighting robots and whirly gigs. That's what I want. So John Simon doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. John Simon has never met a child in his life because 
true story. You take a child to tender mercies. 40 years later, they're going to remember it and they're going to be angry. <laughs> I got to calm down here. I got to chill out. Just as in my experience and seeing it again with a whole bunch of kids, they were able to sort out who was who very easily. They had no trouble with this picture, understanding what was going on. I got to ask Mr. Simon a question. Here's sort of a test question. Wasn't your heart warmed even a little bit by Yoda? Uh, I'll tell you what, we're, we're in a bit of a tough technical situation here because Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Simon <laughs> right. just lost his earpiece. But if you can hear us again, <laughs> I can Mr. Hear Simon, you. Yes, I heard the you, question. You were asked whether your heart wasn't warmed a little by Yoda. Well, yes, I mean a little. Uh, <laughs> but let's say if I saw him in a window of F.A.O. Schwartz and I looked at him for three seconds and said, that's a kind of cute little figurine, I would have had enough of Yoda. Listen, three seconds of acceptance on your part, Mr. Simon, is all that we can hope for and all that we have time for. I'm afraid at this point I thank you and Gene Siskel and also Roger Ebert for joining us. All right. <laughs> they broke him down and they got him to admit that his heart was warmed by Yoda. There's some things you just can't fight. But I do like that the the shock of having to admit that his heart was warmed by Yoda knocked his earpiece out of his ear. <laughs> Go back and watch the clip, too, because the moment when John Simon's earpiece falls out of his ear, he's having like a panic attack. Like, <laughs> it's like the Grinch cartoon when his like heart grows like five sizes or whatever. He thought about the Yoda. His heart grew a little bit. And the pressure change pushed it out of his ear. And he just was uncomfortable <laughs> because he could feel his heart growing because of the Yoda. Like we said, though, the this is the building blocks of every debate that still goes on all the time today. Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is dumb. Star Wars isn't real movies. There's too many special effects. There's too much computer stuff. Blah, 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 blah. It's all in here. This debate will never end. Well, yeah, and it's the thing of, oh, you know, the sequel trilogy is stupid because it's not good like the original trilogy. Then you go back to the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy is stupid because it's not good like the original trilogy. But here you go back to the original trilogy. The original trilogy is stupid because it's not like Tender Mercies. Like it's, <laughs> you know, like you said earlier, it, it's the other poetry that rhymes. And, you know, Star Wars fans and fandom and critics and all of that, like it's always the same as it always has been and always will be. Yeah, you love what you love and and move on with your life because there's always going to be somebody who just doesn't like to see people happy and just wants to complain about stuff. And at the end of the day, you're either young at heart or you're old at heart. And if you're old at heart, just keep it keep it to yourself. <laughs> Fortress of Jabba the Hutt. To the Death Star of the Galactic Empire. To the Forest City of the Ewoks. This is the climactic chapter in the Star Wars saga. Remember the Force. Rejoice in the triumph. Return of the Jedi. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater in your galaxy.
prize also includes Kenner's complete Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. Entry deadline April 1st, 1983. Thousands enter. Only five win the grand prize. Details on posters and entry blanks at participating stores. Your entry gives you a chance to be one of the first to see... Return of the Jedi. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. everybody guess what apple podcast reviews don't be john simon be like siskel and ebert be like gene siskel just having watched the empire strikes back or return of the jedi and write us a review on apple if you listen on apple say something nice like siskel and ebert do it brings warm feelings to our hearts when we read them and eventually we will have time to read some of your reviews we just got another great one last week Thank you all so much for those amazing reviews. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you are a member of our Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where if you're listening to this, this coming weekend, we will have a recap episode for the Bad Batch episodes 9 and 10 and we're going to keep going with Bad Batch stuff all the way till the end and then we'll be doing Mandalorian commentaries over there on the Patreon which brings us to our next point that starting next week we're getting Mandalorious and it's non-stop Mandalorian on Blast Points for a while so, hope everybody likes Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe we're already here and next week is going to be Mando and, man, yeah. We don't really know what the plan is yet. We're like Indiana Jones. We're making it up as we go. We can safely say that episodes won't be coming out on Tuesdays for the next eight weeks. We're going to try and get Mando recap episodes out as fast as we can. What day that's going to be. Nobody knows, but we're going to we're going to be doing our darndest to get them to you as quick as possible. Yeah. And as soon as we have it figured out, we will pass on the information to you. But yeah, we're still figuring it all out. There's a lot, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of Mandalorians flying around on jetpacks. So we're just trying to get it all all straightened out. But starting next week. Yeah, it's Mandalorian over here on Blast Points because we're going to be talking about every single episode here on the main show we're going to be going more in depth eventually with commentaries over there on the blast points army but yeah we're basically going to be coming a mandalorian podcast for eight weeks and then we'll be back to our usual insanity and in the middle like towards the end of that eight week thing we're going to have our celebration london from home coverage where we're going to be together on my couch in michigan covering the live stream every day from Celebration of London. We're going to be waking up at 5 a.m. to start watching that live stream. What are we going to do? I don't know. That's also where we're making it up as we go. 
Yeah, that is, uh, if anything, the, the theme for 2023 is we should know what we're doing, but we don't. And we know even less what we're doing this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's why we can't do a proper Return of the Jedi year. Would there be like special theme music and we'd never play it because we're doing all this other stuff? Yeah. But that about wraps up number 346. Siskel and Ebert, Jerkface John Simon, Things Never Change, Poetry It Rhymes. Things never change. We're making this up as we go. So (laughs) it's like poetry of rhymes. But yes, Mandalorian season three, episode one next week. Very exciting. Stay tuned for that. Get lots of rest. Drink a lot of water. Put on your jetpack. Do some stretches. Maybe some yoga. Get ready. Get your body ready. Get your mind ready. Get your family ready. Get your will ready. Tell your neighbors. Have an ambulance waiting in the driveway, just in case. If I start acting weird over the next eight weeks, it's okay. It's just Mandalorian. Don't worry. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. the stories of those human characters come to a close although lucas says he eventually hopes to make six more star wars movies and based on what he's done so far i sure do hope that he does i do too i can't wait to see this one again and i want the other ones to come out much quicker than one every three years when i see a picture like this i'm in sort of awe as a critic of how every level of the filmmaking the sound the music the acting the storytelling everything is hitting at the highest level perfection this is you know it's hundreds of thousands of details literally all coming together the sound in that little the space bike thing ben bird is the sound guy john williams is doing the music these are all professionals out there making a fabulous you know you may have put your finger on one of the reasons why these movies are so successful nobody before in the history of films has ever bothered to make a story this simple and universal mm-hmm. with that many uh, great technical credits. Usually when they make a story like this, they throw it away on a $200,000 universal science fiction picture from the 1950s. Yes. But to bring the special effects and the technical credits and the imagination and the perfectionism yeah. to this story so that it really works so well on that on that level is probably part of the reason that we like I it. I think it much. is. And, I'll, and one other thing that hasn't been credited enough, I think, is the acting. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a science fiction movie or a space movie, whatever, the acting are thought of as just cartoon characters. These actors are very good playing against puppets, saying cornball lines, and I think that uh, this um, Mark Hamill mm-hmm. particularly really matured in this film, and it was fun to watch his character grow I up. I think I'm going to miss Harrison Ford with that eyebrow like this when something funny happens <laughs> and it kind of looks like this. We're going to miss know. that for a while. They're, these, they've become friends to us, all of these characters. <laughs> May the force be with all of you! <laughs>